Welcome to Diving Into Writing with me, Lucinda Pebre and Marielle Smith. Join us as we dive beyond the surface of our writing practice. Hi, Marielle. Hey, Lou. Guess what? I figured out. I figured out what I'm how I'm going to celebrate when I meet my three month goal at the end of this year because we didn't plan celebrations really. Uh, You did. I I didn't even think about that. Are you going to have a cat party? No, I am going to give myself the entire The Witcher book series. Oh, that's motivating. And that is, it's quite expensive to, since Book Depository died, it's actually quite expensive to get stuff like that shipped to Cyprus. Oh. The shipping can be intense. Um, so I thought that was a good motivator. Like if I get everything done, like it's around Christmas, I'll know whether I can order the entire book series for myself. Yeah, that's such a good motivator. That's what I thought. Yeah, I re- I need to rethink my celebrations because a lot of them, I kind of, I, I was thinking more of, I don't know, going for a meal or um, going on holiday, but I hadn't thought wider than that. I'm buying myself something, <laughs> that's even better. But you can do so since we're writers, obviously, you can also say, like, I think most of us will have this brand of notebook that we really love, but it's quite expensive. I think all of us have their own kind of brand that we're just sort of like hung up on. I definitely have one. Um, So we could also say, okay, so, you know, they have this new design this year. So if I make my goals... I, I am allowed to buy one or I'm allowed to buy these fancy new sticky notes or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing. I just thought, can you just be something that you otherwise will tell yourself, no, no, there's no need. I don't need to spend money on this. Or like a new fountain pen or something like that, or a fancy new ink. It was so worth waiting for your uh, celebratory reward. I mean, it's going to be, I'll probably be, offline for a couple of weeks as I work my way through the books but (laughs) that's not my problem yeah I am looking I've I've heard that the books are as funny as the series yes I've uh, I've well I I haven't read the book that's that's not true but I've got them on audible so I've listened to the books the same thing yeah that's reading the book yeah but having rewarding yourself with the books it's such a physical thing whereas audible's not so physical yeah so I I, kind of got stuck on celebration needs to be like I need cake or something or yeah what do I really want oh I really want the witcher books well there we have it so that's gonna be my thing now and then I'll figure out other stuff like, I mean, does this mean that by my ten, when I when I hit my ten year goal, I need to buy myself a library? Well, do you does it need to be bigger and better? No, I think that's the problem. 
Yeah. Because if you keep doing the planning, you're going to have a little something to celebrate every three months for the next mm-hmm. 10 years. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, doesn't have to be bigger. No, not at all. There you go. There you go. So it doesn't have to be a library, which might put more pressure on you than you necessarily yeah. want. And plus, like I do love, I do love reading books in paperback, really do. But I, I do, I, I don't often buy books anymore in paper, just because like environmental considerations, but also space. Mm. Like a lot of people assume that I have a giant library, which I don't because I try to keep the stuff that I have to a minimum. Yeah, yeah, that's why. It's very easy. Like if I've read a book once and it's okay, but I'm not going to read it again, I really don't mind passing it on to someone else. I don't need to keep. There's only a couple of series that I really keep because I know I'll be reading them again and again or they're like, they look really fancy. Yeah, Um, yeah. But generally I'm like... No, take it. It's fine. I've read it. It's cool. So, yeah, I'm not a library person. Person. Okay, so I just wanted to share that. So let's go to the topic for today. Oh, bringing our values into planning. Planning for writing. Yeah, so in our, into our scheduling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really hard for me. But I, I think, <laughs> I think talking about it as always, um, hopefully will move me on. So yes. Maybe that's why I picked this topic. Well, it's funny because I, I sometimes feel that you pick topics that you want to explore, and when I, when I um, suggest topics, I feel like it's topics that I know I have something to say about. <laughs> yeah you're more like oh let's explore this because this is hard for me and I'm more like oh we can talk about this I have something to say Um, so yeah I do feel sometimes that that's how we go about things yeah but it's if it's hard for me it'd be hard for other people I have never actually thought about it um, consciously so I have I have no idea to what extent I bring my values into my scheduling my planning so this might be a very short podcast or a very deep exploratory one let's see Mm. Mm. you never know with us yeah so so you say it's hard for you it well i have a lot of shoulds (laughs) i should do it like this i should write every day and that that immediately creates barriers for me it's because at one time it, writing every day did work for me, but now I don't have the same sort of time because I'm fitting so many other things in. And yes, it, I should prioritise writing. Well, there you go, another one, should prioritise writing. I was just going to say it, but I was writing down what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, should, there's a should. Another should, yeah. I feel I should prioritise writing. Um. And it, it should be up there and something that I do every day along with everything else that I do every day. But actually, quite often there aren't enough hours in the day to do everything and to do everything well. So 
I do need to look at another way of doing it, but there is a lot of resistance there. Yeah, we've talked about this before and you were going to try some stuff, but it feels to me that you haven't. That's right. (laughs) Do, Do you know what? I thought, well, I'm on holiday soon, so I can write then. But I hadn't considered the fact that we were on holiday and we had a lot of things planned. So it was actually harder to fit in. And it's Especially as I w- wanted to read and I had that holiday vibe as well on top of everything else. So you didn't plan in your writing for the holiday? No, I didn't plan in anything. I did far less of everything that I should <laughs> be doing. Um, or the things that I thought I would be doing, I wasn't doing. I was swimming in the sea. I was meeting friends. We were having friends over. We were going for meals. We were going to the beach. So there was all, it was all good stuff. But yeah, the, the stuff that I do or feel is important to me wasn't so much in there. And I feel bad about that. Mm. So what kind of sort of like core principles or values are underneath that idea that you need to write every day? I think it comes from the fact that it worked and the fact that I suspect that writing was um, more of a priority than it is now. And there's part of me that feels that unless it becomes a top priority, I'm never going to do anything with it. So it feels very all or nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit like that as well. Well, that doesn't help. (laughs) I'm a bit like that with dieting or anything. It's like, yeah, all in or not at all. Yes, and you, you're right. I don't know where that comes from, though. Is that because I know this is the thing, like one of the reasons you struggle prioritizing writing daily right now is because you've introduced a, a, a lot of new elements to your daily life, mm. including meditation and stuff. I know. So you're the same about that then. Like you do it every day, you don't do it at all. That's, yeah, yeah. But you can't That's... live like that, Lou. Okay. Just, just, you know. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> really, that's not going to work for you. But it's the, it's like, so, like you do a lot with the dogs now. Yeah. You just go for long walks, right? Yeah. You train for really long races. And yes. <laughs> So that's also very all in. It's not like, oh, I, I, I found people to run with with the dogs. Oh, we have it's, 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 it's like you have to go the extra mile, literally. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. So you are very. If I commit. Yeah, I don't know why that is though. No, I'm, but I'm really curious about that. Because it makes all the sense to me that if you've committed to so many things, like where are you going to make space for the writing, which used to be such a big commitment to you? 
Yeah. I don't, yeah. I've obviously got a block there, haven't I? I've, it, yeah. yeah. You see, I needed to talk about this subject. Really? So so there's two things I, I, I'm thinking. So things for you to think about. Mm. I'll send you the invoice later for this session. <laughs> Uh, uh, please ther- therapize me, ther- therapeutize, I don't know, uh, psychoanalyze me uh, <laughs> when I'm done with you. So two things I would consider, like asking yourself, is like, first of all, maybe three, actually. First of all, why these elements into your life? I can guess. Knowing you, I can guess, but I'm not going to give it away. That's for you to <laughs> teaser um so so why these particular elements why do you feel you need to be extremely disciplined around these elements and why has writing fall to the wayside a bit like why is it so hard like what is it about the writing is it that is it is it the, the story you're working on is it is it like, are you sabotaging yourself because you have this idea that, you know, it's all or nothing. So if I can't do it every day, there's no point. I'm not going to go anywhere. So why even bother? Like, what is it? What's underneath it? I think so. It, it, as you're talking, I'm getting, I'm getting like um, the need to be, I've got to be good at things. So is there any point in doing it unless you're good at it? And if the way to be good at it is to do it and practice it or to I'm I'm not I'm not just thinking about the writing now. I'm thinking about yeah, being a good good dog mom. I've got to be such a good dog mom. My dogs have got to have such a happy life. It's not that they've got to be mega well behaved or anything. It's just that they've got to be happy <laughs> so I've got to give them opportunities and I, I was telling you that when we went when we were away I was like let's do a 12 mile run and Luca was like let's not <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah okay <laughs> Luca and I understand each other <laughs> um, okay so but you just said something previously you said that you don't know how to fit them all in and then you added and to do them well. Mm. So I'm getting the feeling that this is the part where you start tripping over. Where I think hard to trip over the doing well part. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I'm thinking about the meditation and that you're supposed to do it every day. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it'd still work if you didn't do it every day. But the other thing is, if I don't do it every day, it's not part of my routine. So I won't, will I? Will it fall beside the wayside like the writing? Well, if you schedule your week. Yeah. And you simply say, let's, I don't know when you have your time slot that you're free, but let's say on Monday you do meditation, on Tuesday you take that time for writing, on Wednesday you take that time for yoga, 
on Thursday for writing, etc., then you have a routine that you're doing something for yourself in that time slot, whether that be writing, yoga, meditation. That sounds so reasonable. That's but, how I function. But yeah, my brains are probably not wired in the same way. Well, my my yeah, my brain says, yeah, that's reasonable. My heart says, no, you can do it all. Okay, so we need to have a discussion with that heart of yours because mm. there is no need to do it all. And I think that's what's the, what's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not one of your core values. It feels to me like this is a limiting belief and it's affecting your actual core values. That could be true. <laughs> that could be true. But where do your core values come from anyway? <laughs> I want to say your soul, but I have not. <laughs> so I do yeah. think your core values are affected by the environment you grew up in, the society you grew up in. But even then, sometimes they are completely opposite to what everybody around you is doing or saying. So there is a, there is a source. I think, I think it, some of it comes down to the need to be perfect. It probably all comes down to the need to be perfect. So, you know, yeah. So that is a rather toxic core value. Mm, it is, isn't it? So maybe, it is. Maybe. Okay, so I never thought about that, actually. I always thought that core values are like your truest truth. But I think some things can masquerade as your truest truth. Yeah, yeah. So we call them values, or this is how we see the world, and this is how I would like the world to work, but it's actually quite toxic and limiting, and it prevents us from doing what we're here to do. So perhaps this episode should be called The Danger of Core Values. Well, no, because I still think that... There are core values underneath this layer. Mm. You have core values that are aligned with your soul, your soul's purpose. And that so that means that they are based on the principle of love and not on the principle like ego principles. It's like mm. when people ask, like, how do I know when it's my soul or it's my ego sort of yapping at me? And the trick there is that if whatever is, if whatever is going through you is based in this sort of like peaceful sense of love, then it's your soul. But if, it's, if, if, if you feel the fear around a certain thought or decision you think you should be making, that's ego. Mm, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I do think that you have core values that are completely aligned with your soul, soul's purpose, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The question is, what are they then? 
So these are uplifting, empowering, positive, enlightening, compassionate, all of the good stuff. You want me to name them? <laughs> if you can, I can't think of them. <laughs> if you can, like they might be, they might be, there might be a little bit too much ego in the way there to reach. Mm. Them. Yeah, you. I mean, you were talking about writing should be fun. Well, that's one of one of my core values is that. Like I feel like writing or any creative craft really is sacred. So if you do it because you feel you have to do it in a certain way, if you feel like you need to write a certain something because otherwise you're not going to be successful, you see how all these thoughts are based in fear, lack. Mm. Yeah. So I'm always more like... I remember when we were in Edinburgh and it was Martha Carr and it was, I think it was during a, I don't know if it was her, just her, or it was her on a panel, but she said this phrase and just stuck with me. She, it was very simple. She just, it was not, she, she, I don't think she realized she was saying something profound, but at one point she said something like, well, I just asked, are you having any fun? And that has become such a guideline in my life. Because that's for me, it needs to bring you joy. Yeah. And you can work hard and it still bring you joy, can't of course. as in yeah. Nobody, yeah. Says, yeah, nobody says that like working hard, being disciplined and joy are mutually exclusive. Absolutely yeah. not. But that's why when I coach writers, I'm always going on about when they are like, but I, I should be doing this and I should be doing that, like all the shoots. I'm like, okay, that's all great, but what do you want to write and why? Yeah. Because for me, and so this has also for me to do with building a sustainable career. Like if you feel you need to write in a certain genre or you write in a certain way or you need to write X amount of books to be to be um, successful, while this number of books per year is not aligned with your natural writing speed, right? If you can churn yeah, out yeah. books like multiple a year, great, right? Keep doing it if that works for you. But that's, that doesn't work for all of us because we, we are all on a different schedule. So for me, I mean, that's not sustainable. You're going to burn yourself out and it's going to be really hard to come back from that. And I work with so many authors who've lost the spark and they, they don't understand why they fell out of love, either with writing or the thing they're working on. So this is what I do a lot, like figure out, okay, so where, like, where did they go wrong? Like, where did you go off the track? Your personal sort of like your soul's track, like where did you, where did you take an exit where you shouldn't have? And how can we get back to that? So yeah, so one of my core values is that you need to write what you're here to write and it should give you love and joy and it should be your story like your truth so this is so i didn't think about this before but the way i see it in my planning is i stop pushing i, I stop giving myself like i know that in the the quarterly planner 
what we did well I did write down some some goals like some deadlines for by then I will have this many books out but I know that in the end I'm gonna let all my books take their course my, my, my fiction books like I just work on them every morning for an hour and I'll because that's the time I have and I'll see where they go because as soon as I start pushing myself I, I lose the joy and why and why would I even push myself that's just because other people are telling me that you know I need to speak up like if you don't public like if how long am I gonna wait like it's all wasted time that I'm not making money with my books yeah yeah we're talking yeah so I think that's how I see it. In my planning is that I know the time that works for me now. And that's thanks to you because we figured this out a couple of years ago. What works best for me. Mm. So I haven't had many doubts. Like it, it, of course, it's sometimes, you know, it sometimes pops up, but it only ever pops up when I'm talking to other writers who are a bit rushed about their writing plans. Yeah. Then I start feeling, oh shit, should I also be? Uh, maybe I should speed up some way. Like maybe I, whew, I need to take mm. a step back and be like, that's not like immediately because that is all fear for me. Mm. It's all based on, like I said, lack and not mm. getting somewhere fast enough. Yeah. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that for me, this is based on the need to be perfect so where does that come from i don't know but you know i said that i do know <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah it's like starting new journals you know new books i've got so many started books because when i start off it's all perfect and then you make you scribble out and then you make mis and then I want to start a new one so I never get going so I think so where does it come from yeah it comes from childhood and expectations and it comes from my mother who I think she also felt that need to be perfect. I want to pretend I'm surprised, but I'm obviously not. <laughs> yeah. So childhood wounds. Yeah. But this is interesting because you know when you look at your mother that that's not healthy. I do. And I know it's not healthy for me either. But it's not something that, it's something that I was half aware of, but it's not something that I've ever thought about, you know, doing anything about. So how do you really feel about perfectionism? I think that it it stops you doing things. It stops you finding the joy. does suck the joy out of things a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Does this mean that joy is part of what could be your core value as well? This is actually something you find important. Yeah. It took me a little while. You know, when we got Luca, it took me a little while to work out that I was never going to build a relationship with him if I had expectations. Yes. I remember I was there when we figured that out. Yes. Yes. Um, And now I can see that in other people. I fully accept who he is now. Uh, And we have fun. And there are limitations to that. But, you know, as in places we can go. We can't walk down the street, for example, because he'd uh, try and kill us by chasing cars. (laughs) But... But I had to find the joy in our relationship and the things and focus on the things that we could do and the things we enjoyed doing together. So I had to find the joy in our relationship for us to have a relationship. So when it came to Luca, you were able to see, okay, these are the limitations. Mm. So how do I work around them? Mm. So the question then becomes, What are your limitations when it comes to writing right now and how can you work around them in a way that brings you joy? Because here's another reason why I think that joy is so important for sustainability is that joy is one of the highest vibrations. Um, It's not the highest, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I think gratitude is the highest. Uh, But maybe they're both on the same level. So it will give you a lot of energy. Mm. So if you do something that's joyful, you want to do it again. Yeah. Do it again, and you want to do it again. Yeah. I can I can see it. I can see it there in the writing. But there is something that I get, I'm getting this sort of, I'm always getting sort of this Akashic Records kind of feeling that we've been talking about this for a while and it's not budging. So I'm like, what's what's in the way? I know. And I have played with it. You know, I I have done some writing. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I have done some writing. It's, it's, It'd be really helpful if I wasn't at this stage in the writing process as well. You know, the planning stage, which is the bit that I find most difficult and least joyful. I I find, do find joy in editing. <laughs> um. So so yeah, that's not ever so helpful. But it's also something that I need to work through. Yeah. Yeah. But we do keep coming back to the joy because we've talked about this before as well. I know that we talked about joy and writing for you. Mm. So could could it just be the perfectionism? I think the perfectionism is a huge thing. Yeah, I think that is a huge thing that affects quite a few things. So, So it's like, you know, it's only a good day if you manage to do everything on your list. If you, 
you know, if your day goes and you've managed to achieve all the things that you set out to achieve, but then you put, or I put too many things on that list and too many expectations of what I'm going to achieve. Which is completely fine because for some people that motivates them. But if you're one of those people that then gets disappointed in yourself at the end of the day because you haven't been able to tick all those items mm -hmm. off your list, then it's not yeah. a good strategy for you. Yeah. So yeah. it all depends on how you deal with not setting realistic goals. Like I said, for some people, it's it's amazing and they don't care that they actually don't manage everything because they've done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But and, if you beat yourself up at the end of the day, it's not useful. Yeah. And it is recognising, it is recognising what other stuff you've done. So, so like with the holiday, we did loads of stuff. We had a great time. So that should be enough because after all, it was a holiday. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that your brain, your ego in this particular, remembers all those holidays where you did a shit ton of writing. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you can still use that as a stick to beat yourself. What is it? Yes. What's the idiom? You tell me. Beat yourself up over. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so that is something then. The the perfectionist. It's, so it's not just that. It's not just perfectionism, right? It is also this, and I feel that this is sort of like an affliction that especially, I'm not saying men are not unaffected, but I think especially women these days or in the last couple of decades, this idea that, you know, ever since the second feminist wave, women can do it all. I mean, there is still a, there is still a glass ceiling, right? But women can do so much more these days. And there are a handful of women who do get in really high places. But it means that now we need to be able to do it all. So That's it. You, you pay a price. Of course you pay a price. Like and I know that intellectually, but I still have these expectations. I know it intellectually as well, but as you know, like me and burnout, we flirt daily. Mm. So I'm not saying I'm immune. I'm just <laughs> no, no. well aware of this. I mean, there's a reason I'm looking at it now. I have to scroll with Bernie Brown on the wall of my uh, office. It says, no matter what gets done, how much is left undone, I am enough. Mm. Yeah. But there's a reason it's on the wall. It's not because I have fully integrated that belief into my system yet. It's because I need daily reminders. Yeah. Uh, and I don't always know how to, how to, like, especially in the last couple of weeks, I, I didn't even have a break. I was just going, like, I was accelerating instead of slowing down and relaxing. And I'm saying the last couple of weeks, I want to say the last couple of months. Because there's so much that I also want to do. Yeah. But we do need to find a break at some point. And the thing is, if we don't, it's going to find us. And that's, <laughs> I know from experience, I'm pretty sure you do too. It's not fun. That. No. 
like our bodies decided for us or some other shit happens that just forces us to pause. Yeah. It's always going to catch up on with us. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this sort of, I need to stack up more, right? I need this to do more in combination with perfectionism. So it's not just that you have to do all these things. You have to do them well. Okay. Otherwise, there's no point. So if you don't think squeezing out five minutes of writing time, there's no point because there's no way you're going to write anything that's written well enough. Mm-hmm. Why take those five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I love it when certain limiting thought processes are intertwined in such a way that we are fucked over. Well, (laughs) they really, it's not just, it's, it's not for me. I don't think it's like an and, and I feel like they compound. So the effect is like they strengthen each other. Yeah, and I'm I'm still not sure what to do about it. As in, being aware of it is the first step, but how do I overcome that? Well, yeah, there is like, it's, it's, I believe in affirmations, obviously. Mm. So figuring out if this is not what you truly believe, what do you want to believe instead? Yeah. Yes. So, for example, it's not about how well it's done. It's about that it's that it got done. Yeah. And you bring in that joy. When I think if I could apply what I applied to Luca, as in, I mean, the, I had to find a way. I had to find a way with him. And so that was about finding the joy in the relationship. And, like, I don't know if you remember, but when you did that, when you realised that something had to shift, you were not in a good place with Luca, like mentally. No. I think you and Luca were, were, were doing fine, but you were not seeing it in that way. Yeah. So that was a, pers- a perspective sh- shift that needed to happen. Yeah. So how can you shift your perspective when you're writing in such a way that you can make it work again? And yeah. make, perhaps make it work in a different way. Yeah. If we're yeah. not solving this soon, I will go back and do the Akashic Records for you. <laughs> <laughs> See they what else. They'll, they'll yeah. be like, why hasn't she done all the things we told her to do first? Well... <laughs> Okay, so I actually, so it's October now, right? So I've done a reading for somebody last year. It might have been September, might have been October. They are still working through all the advice that was given. 
during that reading. So they're still journaling on some topics because it was just so much. Yeah. But it's also, this is a lovely thing, is that when you deal with certain things, whether you deal with them in therapy or Akashic Records or meditation or journaling or whatever, it might open up the next layer. Or it might be that, okay, so you're dealing with this now. That means that this can now come to the surface and this needs to be healed as well. So it's it's uh, it's this never ending. It always sounds very demotivating to me in some ways, but I mean, I gladly accepted the path. But um, it's 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 not ending. Like when we've dealt with one thing, you know, the next thing comes up, and <laughs> yeah. that. which I mean, like I said, like it's for a lot of people look at me often like, no, you're kidding, and I'm like, it's not like uh, it's not like oh, it's an ouchie. We put a band aid on it, and then we're done. Right. Uh, once it's healed, or once it's starting to heal, things start shifting, so other things become ready to be dealt with. I do like things to be neat, though. <laughs> yeah. So this whole process is messy, Lou. Unfortunately, it's part of my perfectionism that I need things to be neat. Okay. So maybe start with that one. With, with that one, like things don't have to be neat. Yeah. Things are, I am allowed to be messy. Mm. Oh, could this be why you don't love, why you don't love planning? Like outlining. (laughs) Yes, no doubt. That's a messy process. I love it. It's a messy process. It is messy. It's very messy. Yeah, I think that's why I love it. Because out of all of that, like, I love the moment when the puzzle, the puzzle pieces are starting to come together. That gives me so much energy. Like I'm just sort of sometimes I'm like, brain, however did you do that? Like how did you, how are these things matching up at the exact right time in the book? And I didn't even think this through like consciously. Like how did you do that? Like, I think that's what I love about planning because of how things, yeah, how things come together and work out in the end and how my brain is able to deal with whatever plot hole or, ah, this doesn't really work, like how how it can just find a way. I do love that aspect. So maybe you, you as in the core you, don't need it neat maybe that's just sort of the layer yeah neat means in control yeah so it's not actually you yeah maybe that's just how you think it should be because it's safe yeah control means safety definitely to me yeah but it's like it's you're just writing a novel nobody's gonna die well, you know, potential well, character, yeah. but <laughs> you're not going to die. <laughs> um, yeah. If it's messy and if it's hard. Like literally the worst case scenario is that your brain hurts a little bit. Yeah. That's literally the worst thing that can happen. Lily's messy and dirty, but I still love her. There you go. I do feel that it's so easier for you to handle these exact kind of challenges 
when they pertain to your dogs. I know. I think the parallels are uncanny. Uh, yeah. But, uh, do you know what? From the day I knew that I was supposed to have him because he had so much to teach me. Yeah, and he is. <laughs> yes, yes. I wasn't wrong about that. So how can you, because you, you learned that lesson in relation to Luca. So now how can you, what's the word, extrapolate that mm. to the other aspects of your life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some homework for you. Wow. Thanks for that. Psychoanalysis 101. <laughs> No, that's not actually psychoanalysis, but that's not the point. Um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't really go how I thought it was going to go. No, and you were like, "Oh, this is going to be such a short episode because I have nothing to say." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. That's how it goes often. Yeah, no, but but this is my whole thing. It's that there are so many layers. Like like to be very. To sound very cynical, which I'm not, I'm not a cynical person at all, uh, because I believe in agency and the ability to heal. But we are all born in such a dysfunctional society mm. within families that are almost always dysfunctional to some level because they were formed within this society. So there are so many childhood patterns, traumas, expectations that we need to unravel, unlearn to figure out who we really are. Like the way our society works, it's like the moment you're born, Right when there's like there's nothing. Well, there's only <laughs> what is there is what you've dragged along with you throughout your past lives. If that's something, what you believe in, I obviously do since I'm an Akasha Graphics reader. So there's that, right? But it's almost like as soon as you're born, you're blanketed with layers and layers and layers of dysfunction. And then as you grow up, you realize all these layers don't fit me and something is wrong. What is wrong with me? And I once listened to this episode by when, when Brene Brown was still doing her Unlocking Us podcast. And there was this, this I'm assuming he's like a therapist or a psychotherapist or something, psychiatrist maybe. He wrote this book, and which obviously I can't remember the title of, but he said we need to reframe this what is wrong with us? Because that's what happened, right? We start thinking something is wrong with us because we're malfunctioning. But I don't know, someone else said, throwing everybody through, like mentioning too many people at the same time now, somebody once said um, that it's no, something about that, us feeling like we don't, that we are not sane in society, says more about society, that like we're in a, in a deeply unhealthy society. I can look it up for the show notes. So this guy that Brennan Brown was talking to said, we need to reframe the what's wrong with me to what did I survive? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And that will st- it's first of all, it's empowering. And it shifts that perspective to wait, this is not about me. I was put here and they've been trying to put me in this box, and the box isn't right. But none of the boxes are right. That's just the way we like the way society works. And I think by now we know that society is highly dysfunctional. But I'm not like I'm not a cynic because I believe that we also have the power to change this. And there you go. <laughs> That's my my piece of wisdom. <laughs> That's a nice way to end the podcast. Yes. That was quite painful. <laughs> well, that might just be for me. <laughs> the whole the the whole thing, or just my speech at the end. <laughs> no, the bit for me. <laughs> okay, I think there's some work to do, Lou. I think you're right. But I I believe that that's good. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or visit our website at divingintowriting.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to leave us a review, we'd be ever so grateful. Bye for now.